You're listening to Coach Talk, a podcast about coaching for improvement in health and social care. Here you will meet several international experts and coaches to discuss challenges, opportunities, models and tools that might be useful when you coach others to make improvements. Okay, and welcome back to our Coach Talk. And also welcome back to our guest in the studio who has been here for the fourth time. And um, before I introduce him, I shall just tell you that I'm Nicolien Wackerberg and I'm development leader at Kulturum Jönköping. So who is in the studio? My name is Paul Bataldu and I um, started as a pediatrics doctor but have spent the last 50 or 60 years working on the improvement of healthcare quality, safety and value. Yes, and I'm very happy that you are here again. As I told before, it's the fourth time. The, our first two episodes uh, is the start where, where you helped us and you talked a lot about the importance of sense making as a leader in quality improvement. The last time uh, we did our episode, it was about the gift of resistance. And I hear that a lot of people like the especially that the difficult part that they see it it's, it's difficult with making changes and you get all this resistance um, but now i'm curious about um, what's on your mind right now and what do you want to talk about well i'd like to uh, talk about what i've been uh, struggling with in the last few years because i have been thinking about the journey of the past 30 or 40 years and and the questions that were helpful to us. And I realized that we learned a lot using these questions of, of how, we, how might we learn from the success of other industries and other sectors in the economy. We learned about systems and processes and customers and suppliers and uh, we learned about uh, a lot of different ways of thinking about work and measurement and so on. And I was asking myself, well, is that the same question today as it was uh, when we started in this period of improvement work? And, and it, it didn't seem to me to be so. I think that the mm. question today was something much more like, how might we improve the value of the contribution that healthcare services make to health? Well, that was a big question. That's a different question than we were dealing with before. So how might we improve the value of the contribution that healthcare services make to health? Mm -hmm. And so what's been on my mind has been wrestling with that question. Yes. And the, the two words that jumped out of it for me was the word service and the word value. Mm -hmm. And so uh, in exploring um, that word service, I, I went to try to understand what I might have not paid attention to or what I'm, I might have overlooked. And I went back to uh, one of the first books written about the service economy that was coming. And it was an economist by the name of Victor Fuchs. Mm -hmm. And uh, he wrote the book in 1968. It, 
and the book was on the service economy. And in the opening pages of the book, I think page 12, he says, well, you have, you have to recognize that this book uh, has been a very difficult book to write because as an economist, um, I came to the realization that there were always two parties that were involved in making a service. And that was different than making a product. Mm -hmm. I could, as an economist, tell you a lot about the productivity of making products and the way that um, a person can be efficient. But in services, because there are two parties, it's a more complex description and it's more difficult. And then he uses a few examples. So I called him. He's 90, he's in his mid-90s now. And uh, I said, so where did you get that idea? It's two parties to make a service. And he said, well, it's obvious. And I said, but that's not very helpful. I mean, it, and he said, well, my wife and I had four children, and the youngest was a boy, and he cut his hand. And my wife wanted to know whether there should be a suture in the cut. Mm -hmm. So she called the doctor, and they talked about the circumstances under which a suture would help and where to get it, and if not the suture, then what should happen? So he said, you see, it took two parties to make the service. Yeah, exactly. And then he added, it's obvious. And yeah. they said, yeah, I, all right, I get the point you're making. Mm. But I actually think we have taken the idea that making a product and making a service both involve a system, and we can just use system improvement. Mm. It's the same. And we use a logic for making products to make what is what we call a service. And then we're struggling to figure out why our efforts at improvement don't work better than they do. And I think we may have confused the logic for making a service with the reality that it does always take two parties. Okay, so let's just think about the logic. Um, could you explain a bit more? What do you mean by the logic about making a product? Are you thinking though about processing to making... I, I just want to make clear what kind of logic are we talking about? Well, the logic of making a product is uh, I'm the maker. Yeah. You're the customer. Yeah. And I make the product so that it is what you need and want to buy. So I make it and sell it. Yeah, and I get it. And you get it. Mm. And you're the customer. And of course I want to pay attention to what you want. And so I'll try my best to understand that. And I may even want to try to understand how you use the product. Mm -hmm. Because I, and uh, people describe that as servification of the product. But at any rate, yeah. the, the, the point is that uh, that's the way you make a product. Yeah. But a service has to do with something that we make together. Mm. It's not a matter of me being nice to include you. It's that I must include you in order so that we together can make that service. I have to understand what your need is so that I can uh, contribute my knowledge and skill 
to that aim that you have so that we can make a service which in fact helps you in the aim that you have. It's a different logic. Yes, so the, the, the different logic starts with understanding the aim of the other person. Well, of the person who is the beneficiary. We have many words we try to mm -hmm. use. We call them beneficiary or patient or client or uh, the Dutch uh, guys at Dijmegen called it TIFCAP, the individual formerly known as patient. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But, but the point is, it, it's, it starts there. Yeah. It doesn't start with the professional. No, no. Okay, so and that's the logic, it's the aim, and, and then? And then we have to figure out what will be a contribution mm -hmm. to that aim. And there, as a professional, my task is to try to figure out what the science tells me works. Mm -hmm. uh, I have to understand the as-is reality of the system that you have to navigate in order to sort of make it all happen. That's very different than sort of me constructing a service which I sell to you. And knowing it all. Yeah, and knowing the whole thing. So yeah. that's, that's very different. Yeah. It's a different professional job. Mm. It's a different logic in the way the work goes on. It's a different set of measures about what has been good. Uh, and so it, 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 it's, it's opened this whole, so it's just been this word study for me. See, I've been working on this word service and I'm trying to understand. So, and, and then as I, I opened my mind, I realized that after Victor Fuchs wrote this book in 1968, in 1972, two sociologists at the University of Rhode Island said, well, isn't that interesting? Two parties, it's co-production. Mm. And then in 1976, four years later, Eleanor Ostrom and her husband started to talk about the co-production of public service, and then she won the Nobel Prize in 2009 for that work. And then other people in the, in the business schools, the service marketing people, said, well, wait a minute. We have allowed product-dominant logic to take over our field of service marketing and it's been screwed up because of that. And then these people in the UK and Australia and Sweden, elsewhere in public services and public administration sort of formed a community to follow after Eleanor Ostrom. And they started to really build the science of co-production. And so I began to ask, so what is co-production of healthcare service? So that's, that's where my mind is, is just taken by this idea and all of its ramifications. Okay, well then, I am with you in my thoughts. Um, so it's on your mind, co-production, but you want to, to move away from the word product. So why are we using the word co-production? It's not my label. It's the label these guys used. And so we can divorce ourselves from that community of scholarship and pretend that we are creating the word and the idea. But that, to me, is fake. Uh, you see, the reality is that there's a group of scholars, largely in public administration, who have been gathering around this idea and writing papers and doing research and so on. And, and they have the term co-production. So I'm just using their word. And they, in fact, 
have uh, created a body of knowledge which is potentially useful for us. It's of course not the same. Mm. But all the other words that are going wrong. It's a whole bunch uh, of words. Uh, co-creating, co-designing. Co-design, co-evaluation, co co um, uh, co co-assessment. Um, and I, my sense is that the word co-production um, will do just fine. I, it, 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 I use the word in a very uh, big way. I use the word to mean co-design, co-planning, co-creation, co-evaluation, uh, co-assessment, co... Do, do everything yeah, do from everything. the beginning it's to a, the end the together. Big, the whole thing. So that's what I'm... Okay. So I'm not trying to get caught up on differentiating co-creation from co-production or co-design from co-production. No. Okay. I'm just trying to sort of say, here's something that two parties are trying to do together. Yeah. So for coaches who are working with improvement work, it's, it, it's, how, how can they embrace this and how can they coach their teams? Well, I think it begins by going back to the basics. First point, uh, you can't outsource your health. Mm -hmm. um, so a coach, when professionals uh, might be thinking that they are making the health, a coach can ask, whose health is it? And who owns the health? Yes. And what's on their mind to improve? Hmm. So point number one, whose health is it? Point number two, um, if we put a healthcare service under a microscope, there's always a relationship and some action. Yes. Sometimes it's more relationship, Sometimes it's more action, but there's always both a relationship and an action. Mm -hmm. And there are, there's knowledge and skill and habit uh, and a willingness to be vulnerable and some shared power um, and some engagement that really holds relationship and action together. So a coach can ask, so let me see if I've heard it right. What we're talking about is this action. What's the relationship that's connected to that action? Or we're talking about relationship, but what's the action? So can, can you define, um, sorry for maybe the question, what do you mean by what's the relationship by the action? Um, do you get answers like the relationship is between the doctor and the person who needs it? Or are they going to tell you how they are building the relationship. What, what, what is... What goes into building the relationship? How do you, how do yeah. you have a relationship that, that actually enables shared work? Exactly. So you are, you are going deeper, not yeah. only asking what is the relationship, yeah, it isn't but the, how is it formed? Exactly. Um, exactly. What's in it? Um, how, how do you embrace that the, uh, the power? How do you... How do you build trust? How yeah, do you build that kind respect? of things. How do you go about uh, an authentic relationship? Yeah. Because if only part of you shows up, uh, there's not going to be much of a relationship with another person. They will see that only part of you showed up. Yeah, okay. So that the relationship is one set of things. The action is another. Yes. It's fine for you to have, as a professional, a set of ideas about the action that should be taken. But if the person doesn't understand it the same way you do, 
guess what? It isn't going to be done. No, no, no. Nothing will happen. Nothing will happen. So you ask about the relationships, and, and I'm still back to the coaches. Yeah. So, so the what first thing in this uh, implication for coaches is whose health is it? Second is this idea of there is always a relationship and action, and that is held together by a whole bunch of different uh, factors. Yeah. And I think another uh, implication for coaches of this um, is that the uh, measurement that might have focused exclusively on the action might now need to include measurement of the way the relationship and action are held together or a measurement directly of the relationship. Can you give me an example? How well did they listen to you? Okay, that's kind of... How well did they take into account uh, what was on your mind? Okay. And what suggestions you had? Did what you suggest actually fit in with the recommended action? And is it clear to you how? Okay, yeah, thank you. That's, uh, that are good questions. and. Today, I don't see them so often. So, so that's really good to open up that. I was thinking when you say, oh, we need to have other measurements. I was thinking, oh, yeah, we, we know patient experience, patients. Mm -hmm. But now you are going further than patient experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are going to building trust. And yeah, be, yeah, 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 yeah. That's helpful. Was there another thing? Now we are on three things for the coaches. Well, I think that's pretty good. I mean, yeah. nobody, they won't remember beyond that anyway. So I, I think... They can think, listen again. I think they, listening. they can listen yeah. again. Yeah. Um, so was there one more or not? Well, I think that uh, the other word that caught me is the word value. Mm -hmm. And I've been struggling with this because I think the easy way to think about economic value is to think about uh, the cost of something in relationship to the benefit. And uh, a popular way to think about that is to think about um, the creation of a product. And people think of the steps that are involved in making a product. And those linked steps or linked processes are sometimes described as a value chain. So yes. it's the sequence of things to bring about the result, the product. Well, uh, there was this Norwegian by the name of Fjellsted, Oysten Fjellsted, who in the uh, 90s, that's 1990s, uh, he and his colleagues started to think about the architecture of systems in relationship to value creation. And he specifically pointed out the linked processes or the chain or the value chain idea but he said that works mainly well for making a product mm. it doesn't work as well for services and he said the architecture of value creation around a value chain is a different architecture than for example a value shop as he called it, where your car doesn't work and you take the car to the mechanic and on the mechanic's um, shop, you actually 
get uh, a diagnosis and the mechanic installs a remedy. So that the shop is a customization of work around the need that you brought, and he called that a value shop. Yeah. And the architecture of a value chain system versus a value shop system is really quite different. And he said, there's a third value system architecture, and he called that a value network. But that, let me get this clear. The value chain is a linear yes. way, just A to B to yeah, C. To yeah. Always B comes after the, A yeah. and before C. Yeah, and the value shop is doing things well, I'm first trying to understand exactly what your problem is, and I want to understand that well enough so that I can propose mm. a variety of different things that might be helpful to you, and together we could decide on that. But I first have to really deeply understand what the particular need is. Okay, okay. And the third uh, architecture, system architecture, that Oyston was talking about is what he called a value network. He was writing before Facebook and social networks. He was talking about when people who have a similar set of needs discover each other and share uh, tips about yeah. the way yeah. things... Uh, and sometimes it's that they find a resource that's helpful or sometimes they help uh, uh, identify a future need. Um, and I began to think about Gosh, I wonder if those three system architecture can be found anywhere in healthcare. And that's when I was sort of uh, trying to uh, get concrete about those things and not have them be so abstract. Yeah. And that's when I began to visit the hemodialysis center at Riho with a different uh, set of uh, glasses. I now had those glasses on, those three different system architecture glasses, and I began to see that in one room there was a patient whose dialysis wasn't working very well and needed a customized response, a customized answer, a different kind of hemodialysis routine in order to meet her needs. And I thought to myself, if Oyston were here, he would say, that's a value shop. Mm -hmm. But if instead of turning that way when I walked in the door, I turned the other way, I'd see a big room where there are nurses and they have their clipboards and uh, they're following these algorithms and uh, step A before step B, before step C. And Oyston might have said, well, that's a value chain that's at work. Mm -hmm. And if instead, when I came in the door, I went to the end of the hallway, there's a whole bunch of patients doing their own hemodialysis. And there wasn't a bunch of nurses there. There was, or doctors. These were patients, and they were on their smartphones, and they were, they were kibitzing about hooking themselves up to the machines and what happened when they did this, this, and stuff like that. Periodically, a nurse would come in or something. But that that was much more like a network of these people. And when I understood that a little bit better from Patrick Bunquist, who works there, and he got his hemo, his uh, renal transplant. One of the first places he came to visit after he had the transplant was that group of people. Hmm. So there's a real network, there's a community of interest. So I hear you saying that in, in the same unit, you can find all the three 
architectures. But help me now, in what way does coaches need to be aware of this? Well, first off, you have to understand that there's a different system architecture that's involved. Yeah. So the right question is, now is the system we're talking about behaving more like a chain or more like a shop or more like a network? Or haven't we thought about the other possible ways that those configurations might exist? Second question is, if we've got all three, how do we match the person who is the patient with the need, uh, that need, with the architecture of meeting that need? Do we have a person who has a customized requirement in a chain, and then they don't feel like their need is being met? Mm. Or do we have that person in a customized response? Do we have a, a group of people, but we don't use that group in an active, integrated way? with the rest of the services that might be needed. So in terms of the development future, maybe we need to make the networks work better. Yeah, I think so. And maybe, actually, if we've got all three, there's no capability for helping patients decide which of those three architectures would benefit them the most right now. Yeah, so how could we help patients knowing what they should look for. Well, see, that's exactly mm. the question. How can mm. we know that? And see, and and um, so we're engaged right now in a study to try to identify that for a bunch of different diseases under a bunch of different condition settings and so on. And I'm very excited about that. It's a good group of people. All right. Um, so th this will be very exciting, and I think we will talk again. I know you will come back. So let's keep that question in mind. How how can we make patients aware of, do they need a shop, do they need a value chain, or is the network activated? And I think the last one is the future. Yeah. Um, yeah. So all you out there, um, please let us know, how do you activate your networks there out there? Um, Good, thanks. Okay, thank you so much for listening to us, and we will be back. Thank you. This podcast is made by Kulturum Design and Learning Center in Sweden.